want you to listen. Then what? Share it. The Melbourne Youth and Social Workers Group and the Knowledge on Tick podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Boonarong and Wurundjeri people, their elders past and present. We would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the land, her children and our families. We would like all of us to show respect for each other, Mother Nature and the creatures on the land and the sea. Hey everyone, the Melbourne Youth and Social Work Facebook group would like to welcome you to the Knowledge on Tick podcast. We are Josh and Nat and we will be your co-hosts for the potty. Knowledge on Tick is a podcast offering real-life conversations and insights every week with workers in the field covering a range of topics surrounding the youth and social work world. We are so grateful to have you here and happy listening. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Knowledge on Tick. I'm Josh. And I'm Nat. And this week we're joined by Kim. Hi. How are you going? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Could you just give everybody like a bit of a intro about yourself? Yeah, um, I work within an organisation that works with young women disrupting se- uh, child sexual exploitation. Um, I've been there for four years. I'm the team leader there. Um, anything else you want to know? Sure, it'll all come out. Yeah, it'll yeah, come yeah. out. Yeah. That's cool. Good summary. It is. Um, so as you know, we do a bunch of questions at the start of every podcast. Yeah. Um, and so the first one is... What did your parents do for work? Yeah, so let's <laughs> think about it. It's, yeah. My parents are retired, so I had to actually think about what they used to do back in the day, now that I'm getting older and I'm losing my memory. Mm. Um, but my dad was actually in the army, so I was born as an army brat. What? In Queensland, yeah. yeah. So he used to teach um, heavy, what do you call it, like heavy vehicle driving oh, yeah. in the army. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And um, so we're up in Queensland when I was born, and my mom was a nurse at the children's hospital. In Queensland? In Melbourne. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, right. Once she had kids, I'm the second, like, of three. Mm. And um, once she had her first kid, she didn't, she decided not to go back to work and be a stay at home mum, which I was pretty lucky. Yeah. About. I think that's, it's not a very common thing these days to be able to have a stay at home mum. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued too. in, like, the army brat. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a term. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah, you see it on really, the TV shows. Yeah. I don't really understand where it comes from, though. Yeah, Maybe people are kids are just brats that are born in the army. Maybe. Well, I think it's the dysfunction around having to move all the time, right? Yeah, maybe. And rebelling against yeah. it, or the effect that it might have on someone yeah. growing up and changing schools and things. Yeah. Did you move a lot? No. So once I was born, I think we moved back to Melbourne, and they had their third kid, mm. my little sister. And then dad quit. He just had an, I think he did like how many years you have to do before you can quit. Yeah. And he just quit. He grew the longest beard I think I've ever seen on a human. And just like, Freedom. yeah, it was just like, I'm never shaving again. Like he's shaved it all off now. But yeah, he just, I don't think he really, he's a little bit like me. He likes to kind of push against yeah. authority. So it was quite interesting that he went into the army. Yeah. 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 
but very much the house was always clean, shoes were always clean, you know, that kind of yeah. Yeah, army brat kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's so, that? Um, there was that book that got huge. It was an army major from the States. Yeah. Um, but he wrote this motivational book and it was the concept was make your bed every morning uh, because uh, if you start every day with an intention or yeah. doing something, you've already achieved it. You yeah. Know, and isn't it something he wakes bed. up at like 4 a.m.? Yeah, and then he does all of this stuff and it was yeah. it's like a certain amount of lessons that he learned in the it's army. It's not Jocko Willink, is it? That doesn't ring a bell, oh, so okay. I'm going to say no. Yeah. I listen to it, so it'll be on my Audible. But, yeah. It definitely would not appeal to me. Yeah. Getting up early in the morning is, like, my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, I definitely couldn't do it. But, yeah, so he finished up when I was really little. Like, I don't even remember anything about him being in the Army. Mm. Um, and then he was a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. So I think it, he he was back in the day, grew up in high school back in the day when they did tech, yeah, like tech, tech school. school. Yeah, mm. so he was a builder, starting to be a builder, and then went into the Army. Mm. So... Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then he did a few other things like concreter and real estate agent. Yeah, wow. But now he's living the life, retired life. Good yeah. on him. He loves it. Yeah. How yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but that's completely lost the train of thought. Anyway. <laughs> um, so who is the most famous or well-known person in your phone book? Oh, I had to go through my phone for that one. I mean, I don't really know anyone... I'm not cool enough to know anyone that famous or Neither know, are we, that well-known. A big brother celebrity. Yes. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Perfect. Come on, who um, is it? Oh, no, I can't tell you. No, I can. Uh, he's actually, my, he's he's actually one of my he's actually one of my old staff members. So ah. Drew from Big Brother. I don't know what year it was. Drew. That rings a bell. That rings yeah. a bell, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to Google after okay. this. Like the second last season or something I think it was. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. And completely on trend because they're bringing it back. Are they? They are. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. They're rebuilt. Yeah. They're, yeah. They've, because it burned down, didn't it? It was abandoned for a while. Oh. It, it, is it, it did Dream not World? burn down. Did and it? it just, because people were spotting in it and it just became this <laughs> derelict building. Because yeah. I, when I, we did like a Queensland trip in school and we went and visited it. And then it, because they weren't doing Big Brother, people just started like fucking spotting in the Big Brother house, which mind you is the smallest house ever. It's yeah. just that there's a lot of strategic mirrors put in strategic oh. places that it looks big. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, I thought it was burnt down. It yeah. was just like completely demolished. So they've rebuilt one. Yeah, I think they're actually. I think um, they made a studio. That's the Big Brother house, but it's a studio, so it's not really a house. Uh-huh. But it's like, a, yeah, it looks. I think it's obviously it looked like a house. But not but in, yeah. not at Dreamworld. No, I don't think yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. I like that. That is a good one. Yeah, yeah. you're in the front for like. There's you and um, Sarah. Sarah, yeah. What was Sarah's? Dusty Martins. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're tearing the lead. That's good. I like yes. it. Mm. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, this one This one definitely made me think a lot. I feel like my mum is someone who's really good at giving out advice. You know those people that give out good advice but don't even realise how good they are at mm. really good listeners, just amazing humans. Mm. Um, and it was around... I think just my experience as a, as a young woman, all of that stuff about how no matter what you go through or experience, good can come out of it. Yeah. You know that? Mm. I think that was a, that's been a huge thing that I've lived by, that there are not regrets as such, but there are things that I've learned from everything I've, I've been through and they've actually made me a stronger person, yeah. especially in the tough, tough times. Mm. So I think that's probably the most, it's something I definitely pass on to other people when I 
sit down and chat with them, especially the young women that we support here. Mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I like to live by. Yeah, yeah. Good one. if I could paraphrase that one because I've seen it somewhere else. In yeah, a, um, it's you, you. You either win or you learn. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one too. Yeah, you either yeah. win or you learn. And I was mm. like, yeah, that's nice because it. Yeah, obviously it's got the positive spin on it, but it's true. Mm. I really like the pieces of advice. Even when we did, when Josh and I did the questions, mine was everything happens for a reason, and it was my dad that always says that. Yeah, mm. and it's it's quotes like the one you've just said, like what mm. I've got and what you've just said, Josh, is that there's solace in them. Yeah, is that yeah, shit's gonna happen, and there's yeah. gonna be shit times, but it will be okay, mm. and you will learn something from that. Yeah, you know? and and there's always opportunity out of that. Yeah, um, and I think also that that everything happens for a reason when it's hard to hear that, you know, if you've been through something really tough, especially with the young women that we support where I work, it there's a lot of really horrible stuff that they experience mm-hmm. and mm. but there's still good that comes out of it. Yeah. But it doesn't need to be because of that. It just, you know, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I think it's. They're good pieces of advice. Yeah, they're really good. Mm. Yeah, I think they make you stop and pause as well, which is really nice to do Yeah, every mm. now and then. In a so, busy world. Yeah. We don't. And I think especially in the field that we work in, I think it's really important to continue to reflect on that stuff. Mm. So. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. What job wouldn't you do? Oh, I thought about this for so long. I think in in these times probably anything. No, nah, um, <laughs> I was just saying to you guys before this, mm. I don't know if you could ever pay me enough money ever to work in retail ever again. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I made so many amazing friends and had so many fun experiences. Yeah. But I think there's just a point where, you know, I got sick of selling stuff to people that didn't need it. Mm. Spending $600 on a watch. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's probably that could, for two bucks yeah. in China. How many people could that, you know, support mm. in yeah. a week? Yeah. So that's probably the one thing I don't think I could ever do again. Mm. I even thought about would I be a garbo? Is that even a word? A garbage human. <laughs> I think a garbage, garbage. <laughs> a garbage human something else. <laughs> a garbage human. Yeah. A human that collects garbage. And I don't think I would complain doing that as much as I would complain if I had to get back into retail again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would be too bad being... A garbo. Yeah, a garbo. Totally. Not these days. Have you nah. seen they literally just sit in the truck? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you get that wins. big arm and... Do you ever go to yeah. the tip or, like, tips that have shops? No, no. but I... It's best. I love trawling through... Yeah, we have an op shop in the organisation that I work for and I used to work there one day a week and I would just, every week I'd buy something. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, another trinket that I need in my house. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. one that I go to. Um, It's the Knox tip. And they've got a shop there and you can go, I just like poke around stuff and yeah. look for stuff and, yeah, it's pretty cool. Amazing what people throw out, mm, which is like that is. O- opposite to the retail sort of thing you're yep, talking about totally. of all the things that people buy yep. for them to see what all of the things that um, people um, throw out is, yeah, it's amazing. And so. I think as we get older as well, you start to think more about the footprint that you're leaving behind. Mm. Mm. I'm sounding so old now, I know, when I was your age. Um, back in my day. But, yeah, back in my day. But I think you become a little bit more aware of that and how much spending money is such a waste of mm. yeah. yeah. Even when you put it in context of things as you grow up, you know, the $600 watch, yeah. you know, for me that's almost a month's rent. Yes. Mm. You yeah. know, when you can put it in com- like in a um, comparison like that, yeah. the older you get, things don't have such a value to you anymore Yeah. Um, that are sort of that materialistic sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. Mm. I love going to the op shop and finding just little things. My favourite yeah. thing to do at the op shop is buy books. 
because they're pre-loved books and there's just something about holding a book for me. I have to have a, like a, a book physically in my hands, but I love them because they've always got little notes in there yep. or you always yeah. find little like bookmarks that people have left or whatever and that's my obsession. Yeah. Yeah, op shop yeah. books. Yeah, I used to, I loved like trinket things. You know, when yeah. I was younger, I got electrocuted trying to pull apart a radio. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was still plugged into the wall and I was like, how does this work? I just needed to know how it worked. Yeah. It was fully functioning, but I decided that I needed to pull it apart, pulled it apart, you know, and electrocuted myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Put it back together and it was still working. That is so fun. That's cool. one of those weird things that... You're a tinkerer. I'm a tinkerer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I like it. Mm. And the last one question yeah. is, what is your aha moment? What's, what is the, the moment that the penny dropped for you that this is the field that you should be or want to work in? Yeah, I think I've had lots of aha moments. I think because I'm still quite new into this in this sector, I've only been working, I mean, I've been doing work with young women my whole life, but the, in terms of working in this sector, I'm, it's only been four and a bit years I've been working here. So I think I'm still having, I mean, I hope I'm going to still have aha moments for the mm. rest of my career mm. in this field. Um, I think my first, probably not my first, but a big aha moment for me was when, a young person called me for the first time rather than me reaching out to them. Yeah. That was a huge aha moment of, okay, I'm starting to become someone that they hope will answer the phone to them. Mm. You know, that if, if they if they are brave enough to make that phone call, that I will actually answer the phone and want to speak to them. Yeah. yeah. I think that was a big aha moment for me. Um, probably getting into this field, my aha moment was realising that I, I couldn't sell anything anymore in a retail store and I found that... I was more concerned about my staff and about the customers that were coming in than I was, you know, in their welfare and how they were going than I was about making money, which is, you know, as a, as a manager, it's just not, that's not done. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of need to make some money to pay the rent there. Mm. And yeah, I think that was kind of my big aha moment of, I finally, you know, after working there for 13 years, I finally realized that that's, you know, kids when they're little, they always think about, I'm going to be a doctor when I'm older or I'm going to be a policewoman when I'm older. Mm. I was always like, I have no idea what I want to do. Mm. And I only figured it out like five years ago that I've been doing this work but just in a very different looking way to what I'm doing now. So, yeah, yeah, I think that was a huge aha moment for me. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you to pick up on something but I'm just going to make a comment. How good is retail for learning how to talk to people? Yeah, Mm. yeah. Like, people talk about, like, resi work. Oh, like, you want to get into feel like do resi work and stuff like that. And I've said to people, like, talk about building confidence or, like, young, like, kids, like, kids yeah. in their first jobs and things like that. Mm. It's like, go, work in a shop, like, go, like, whether it's selling something, like, customer service stuff, because it's so good at teaching people how to talk to people. Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of the time, like, what we were discussing, about, discussing oh. what we were discussing before, um, and we'd said, sorry, General Pants, I'm about to slag you here, but we'd said <laughs> about um, I avoid going into General Pants because the staff there are so like, yeah. hey, how are you going? What are you doing today? Can I help mm. you with anything? How's your day? What are your plans tonight? And I find that too overwhelming. I don't like that. Yeah. So I think to actually do that to someone, especially like me as a customer, that isn't going to give you much actually mm. is a really good skill. learning skill for mm. you to be able to communicate with people yeah. mm. and you can absolutely transfer that to working with young people completely and yeah. I'm I'm a very I'm an extroverted introvert so I really enjoy my own time I don't like small talk I find that really awkward mm. but I think the retail really helped me become a lot more extroverted 
actually learning how to start a conversation with humans yeah, yeah. and not be so weird and awkward yeah and with yeah. strangers as well because when you're yeah. younger the, the, the people in your your circle are the ones that you communicate with and unless yeah. you you know are doing like sports on the weekend mm. or something like that you know you're not necessarily um exposed to a lot of people so mm. even being able to be like hey how are you going yeah and not feel like an absolute dickweed mm. and you you learn about mirroring the customer's behavior mm. which is quite interesting when you're doing that in in this youth work sector mm. you know if a young person is kicking off learning how to kind of de-escalate that situation, give them the space that they need and, you know, I think that's it's an invaluable lesson that you learn, mm. I think, in retail as well. Yeah. How to how to kick the feet out from underneath a shoplifter. You know, I was literally about to ask, do yeah. you have any funny shoplifting stories? That's probably my, my best one. So I used to work in a surf shop in Broadmeadows, you know, Jesus. best place ever to live pretty pretty near the ocean too yeah <laughs> yeah surf shop yeah it was, you know we saw a lot of surfboards and surf things surf surf and um a group of kids used to always come and hang out in the shopping center and it was really quiet all the time we had all these really expensive jackets at the front of the store and they were just wandering around I was in the store all by myself and I you know you just know you just yeah. know when kids are starting to scope out the space and figure out how they can run and they all picked up the whole entire rack of jackets oh, geez. and started running. But I had just had enough that day, just kicked <laughs> one of the kid's feet from underneath him, toppled <gasps> him over, fun. and then he fell over and I kept running, chasing after the other ones. The Good security guards were like, you can't run after them. And, um, yeah, they got they got in lots of trouble when they got found. They ran all the way to the flats, like, out. Like, yeah, wow. They ran for a fair while. Security guards <sighs> out that way back then weren't, weren't the nicest of figures. No. So, I don't know if they yeah. still are. I think they're just more secretive about it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just know where the cameras aren't. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But we had lots. Like I worked in the city for a long time, so I had lots of different characters coming in and we worked near a methadone clinic, which when it was quite new, so we'd have customers coming in and falling asleep, standing up in the middle of the shops. Yeah, and, right. Mm. Yeah, it's just quite interesting. You get to see a lot of different folks coming in and out of shops, I think. Yeah. So, and you get to, yeah. like, learn about behaviours, I think, like what you were saying yeah. before, you get that feeling, like, you know, yeah. there's just something up and it's a bit dodgy. Mm. I remember a girlfriend of mine used to work um, at a retail store and they busted the, the reason I asked that question because I feel like anybody that's worked in retail yeah. has really good stories about people stealing. And my girlfriend, um, she worked, um, yeah, at a retail store and had they noticed that there was these two girls, a bit dodgy, um, and so called security. And what had ended up happening is that this one of the girls had gone around to the shops and swapped all different parts of her clothing. So she'd Smart. taken off her shoes in Kmart, for example, and put on a new pair of shoes. And then she'd gone to Cotton On and she'd taken off her old pants, put on a new pair of pants. And so then by the time she got busted, they the security guards and the police came and they made her take off all the stolen goods. She had no fucking clothes left because she <laughs> left them on the hangers in the other store. So then her friend was like, well, can I go around to the other stores and collect her clothes so she's got something to put on? And they were like, no. <laughs> and so this poor girl just went in her fucking knickers being arrested <laughs> because she swapped all of her clothes. A pretty nifty way to steal things but yeah. had swapped all of her clothes and then because they were stolen goods, had to return them. So I don't know what they ended up, how they ended up... Um, clothing her or whatever but I loved that story when she told us and so anytime now I'm like anyone that's worked in retail I'm like tell me your shoplifting stories yeah I mean there's so many stories but yeah we had like a wall of fame in one of our shops yeah people that are shoplifted (laughs) how funny yeah 
so it was it was so it was so amazing to work to work there and yeah it was really fun the friends that you make there are pretty amazing yeah mm. so yeah how funny <laughs> I want to know more thieving stories yeah. anyway we can move on to a heavy topic yeah really yeah and I think a topic because we we talked a little bit about sexual exploitation in our podcast with Joey and and that <clears throat> that was a, a little bit more around the and I and I think what's important, Kim, in this is that there's a lot of old like old fashioned language that gets used mm-hmm. with exploitation. People call it sex work. Yeah. You know, and there'd be more that come up. And so please, if I use any words, I think it'd be really important for you to to like tell me. Yeah. Um, for the benefit of everybody anybody that's listening as well. So what I was gonna say is sex trafficking um, yeah. around like people from other countries. Mm. And I don't know if that is a phrase that would still be used or not. Yeah. Um but Joey talked a little bit about that yeah. in Cambodia yeah. and Vietnam, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I, and we were chatting through it, and I just was saying that I feel like it's probably a topic that a lot of people don't realise that it's that it's happening, yeah. or that it's something that is doesn't necessarily happen in Australia that people mm. are sort of getting brought to Australia for that purpose. Yeah. But I think what people definitely don't realise is happening is is young women mm-hmm. and what I, and young women being like early teenage probably even younger mm-hmm. definitely even younger being exploited by people in the community mm-hmm. um happening like as close as you could think to where you live and, and yeah. the communities in this area and things like that i think even the term sexual exploitation yeah is foreign to people like i remember yeah. saying it once in conversation um and a girlfriend of mine being like what's that what are you talking about? And it also has such a harsh, I, I mean, to me now, it's such a normal part of my language every day that mm. I kind of mumble through the sexual, you know, it yeah. becomes this like one word. Um, but I remember when I first started working here, I think it it's it's a shock of a word, mm. you know, that the word sexual exploitation and child sexual exploitation is mm. even more of a shocking, you know, you don't think of a child as 30. Mm. A child is a child, you yeah. know, 12, 10, 8, mm. 15, 16 um, so I think that was kind of a big thing that realised, but it's actually the word is so descriptive for so many things. It's it's pretty much anything to do with a young person being exploited for sexual favours, um, being rewarded with things like cigarettes, belonging, love, connection, mm. um, drugs, alcohol, all of that stuff. Um, that's kind of a very broad term. Trafficking, I think, is it's... In, in terms of in Australia, I mean, sexual exploitation is so new in Australia. I think we're still trying to figure out what it looks like in Australia. Mm. I think the UK has done such an amazing job with, I guess, being the kind of leaders in the forefront of discovering what is sexual exploitation and how we reduce those risks for young people. Mm. Um, but we're slowly starting to catch up here, but the research is becoming a lot more about us, which is great because we're not the UK, we're Australia, and it, yeah. it looks very different to there. Um, and trafficking kind of falls in that same similar kind of grouping, I guess, is exploitation in Victoria. But I think it doesn't, I don't know, I sometimes think we get really caught up in the definitions of things, mm. but it kind of all looks very similar. Mm. You know, you can pick any young person who's vulnerable to any form of early childhood trauma mm. and they're vulnerable to sexual exploitation. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's been... It's been interesting when you go go to a party somewhere and someone says, "What do you do?" Mm. I think you were <laughs> we saying call it this the Sunday barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they want to know stories. Yes, 
and be like, I can't tell you any because you'll cry. Yeah. Or, you know, this will traumatise you for ruin life. your life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would you want to ruin mine? I don't yeah. want to talk about this on my day off. But yeah. um, that, that's that been quite hard. But, mm. you know, I think it's really great that this sector's becoming really, I think, a lot more aware of what is sexual exploitation and, and what we can do to re- help reduce this for young people and, and kind of pick out those disgusting, horrible perpetrators that are, mm. you know, but I guess, you know, they've got their own traumas and... Yeah, you know, there's a story. Mm. There's I love that you say young it. people and you don't just say young women. And because yeah. the reason I love that is because I think there's a huge misconception in the community that it's just young females mm. that are targeted. And, and sometimes and I actually think it's worse for the, the young young men and young boys than it is for young women mm. um, because we, do, we don't talk about it as, as much as what we do with young women. Yeah. I mean, you know, our goal is we would love to work with boys and girls, but I, you have to draw the line somewhere. Mm in who we can't work with I mean I'd love to work with everyone wouldn't we all but we just can't do that and yeah you're definitely right there's definitely a huge misconception that it doesn't happen for boys and young men but it definitely does Mm. yeah and there are services out there that support young men too yeah absolutely absolutely with it like the service that you work for is catered for young women not that there are no services yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mm. um because yeah I think um it's no what's my point Lost your point? Yeah. Okay. I um I think it's a really interesting one when it comes to exploitation, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't think there's a, a again, broader understanding of what exploitation could be. Mm-hmm. And if there's not an exchange of a sexual act, I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding that, oh, no, well, they're just offending. They're not being exploited. Yeah. Or they're just doing this, not being exploited. There's no sexual exchanges mm. there. When someone can still be exploited. Yes. Yeah. Whether there's a sexual nature yes. to it or not. Yeah. Um, and I think even it being, yeah I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. I think my what my experience with that one, probably my first early days of working at this organisation um, was working with young people who were st- st- like stealing cars for older people, mm. yeah. you know, the older people who were encouraged paying these kids to steal cars, mm. knowing that if they got busted, the charge is what? Not it's much. A, it's or a it slap on the wrist. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then they can go back to stealing cars again. Mm. Um, but in that is putting them in danger and it's putting them at more risk of becoming more exposed to other, you know, dangerous activities. Yeah, absolutely. So, and who yeah. are those people that they're associating with? Yeah. And, you know, there are... It, it always there's always a connection out of that you know there's always a connection of someone wanting to take advantage mm. in our experiences anyway with girls of using them for a sexual favor mm. there's you know there are people preying on on young people and for you know that i think the power imbalance is probably the big thing mm. yeah do you want to explain that to people that are listening what the power imbalance is? Yeah. yeah i guess it's it's i mean it can look like anything for any it's it's a boss taking advantage of a casual in a in a shop yeah. and paying them under minimum wage. It's for us. It is an older person over the age of eighteen taking advantage of someone who is under the age of sixteen, where consent, as a six you know sixteen, fifteen, fourteen year old, consent is not something that I think most people, most young people, really understand what mm. it is or have the power to say yes or no mm. without feeling like they're having to. There's going to be a consequence if they say no. So yeah. I think that's where there's a bit of a power imbalance. I don't know if you guys can explain it a bit better than that. But no, no, I think you've, you've nailed it. Yeah. You actually just reminded me of something when you said consent. Um, 
you reminded me, I don't know if you've seen it, the poem, poem it's not completely relevant to this, but it just reminded me of it, <laughs> the poem about um, consent but in the terms of offering someone a cup of tea. Cup of tea. Oh, it's on YouTube. Mm. So yeah. we show the, we show the girls it a lot. Oh, so especially awesome. the girls that are um, insecure welfare. Yeah. We, for explaining what is consent because mm. I think a lot of the times you ask young people, do you get what I'm talking about? And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah. And usually it's because they want you to shut up. It's yeah. not because... <laughs> You know, it's not because they actually get it. Yeah. So we show them tea as consent because they're swearing in it. You know, it's pretty cool because they're swearing in it. Yeah. Um, but it talks about how, you know, when you mm. off, when you make someone a cup of tea, you can't force them to drink the cup of tea. And it's it's a, if anyone wants to watch it, it's on YouTube. You just look up tea as consent. Yeah. Um, I think it's done in the UK. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen the YouTube it's just one. A cartoon. I've just got the actual yeah. poem. Oh, it's funny. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's also, funny. yeah, humorous. Yeah. Mm. And it's talking about, you know, if your friend passes out halfway through drinking the cup of tea, yeah, yeah. would you force them to drink the cup of tea? While they're passed out. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then it's like, F no. And then, yeah. you know. It's, I love that And one. it's really simple. And the girls mm. are like, oh, it's so easy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, so why is it not easy to say, I mean, I understand why, yeah. but why is it not easy to say no if someone's asking you to do something that you don't, you're not comfortable with doing? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I just love that one. It's on a a really old looking piece of paper near my desk. I don't know where I acquired it or where it came from. And I just read it one day and I was like, hmm, that's good. Yeah. And now I always yeah, bring it up to people and they're like, yeah, but I haven't seen the YouTube video. I'll have yeah, to check it's, it out. it's really good. It's really good to, especially I think as an adult, you sometimes forget how hard it is to explain things. Mm. Yeah. You explain things in adult terms, you know, like power imbalance. I just assume everyone talks about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, no, you know, not everyone knows what those meanings are and what consent is. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. I hope the mic's just picked up my stomach properly. <laughs> we all just kind of stared at each other. <laughs> that was me. Should have got that cheesy. <laughs> I was going to get a cheeseburger on the way here. Talked myself out of it. Maybe and I think it. another, like, uh, explanation is is because um, we talked about the exploitation and the way that I would kind of document it when I was doing case management is that there's, uh, and it's not, it's, I guess, very broad, but you've got like sexual exploitation mm-hmm. and then criminal exploitation mm. and both sexes could be, you know, exploited for either one. Um, but, yeah, we would talk about that young person's being criminally exploited, like mm. you said, someone getting someone to steal a car or shoplift for them. Mm. Um, but then that then links into like that. It could be a young man who's being uh, criminally exploited, but then the person that's doing the exploiting Mm. could be saying, oh, bring your friends around to my place. And mm. then that young man is saying, oh, you know, I really trust this guy. He's a really good guy. He looks after me. You know, like he keeps me safe, gives me food. And then you're like, oh, he's getting groomed. He's getting, yeah. he's getting given like the love, the security, a place to stay, food. That person's then vouching for the, mm. the adult in the situation. And then he's telling his friends that this is all okay. And, and then he brings you know, his girlfriend or a couple of his girlfriends or another another male friend over, mm. and that's when that can then lead into the sexual exploitation of either of any of those young people. Yeah. Mm. But the adult kind of setting up this web of, like, um, like young people mm, it's like um, a network. in the community, a network of young people, and mm. all of a sudden you kind of are piecing things together and you're talking to other, like, um, community workers mm. and you're also, you're, you'll realise that you start talking about the same young people and you start linking it back mm. to this sort of thing, this system that's in play in the community mm. that, and how it all intertwines with one another. Mm. It's, it's quite interesting. And I think it's, it's something that people, like, you may end up doing, like, ad hoc, this kind of detective work and you start mm. talking to other people, hey, I've got this, this guy and he's friends with this girl and, oh, yeah, she's the cousin of and mm. he's been hanging out at this address and then 
So for, you know, we is in the community sector have do have contact with like child protection, mm. Victoria Police, you know, sharing information and there's systems set up for mm. this exact, unfortunately, but systems set up for this exact scenario yeah. where everyone's talking and piecing these things together and um, I guess, yeah, just kind of in my experience and being part of that, it's quite interesting you start, you almost want to get a map out yeah. and start putting pins in street addresses and placing yeah. people and stuff. But, yeah, it's quite interesting. Mm. It's um, mm. overwhelming mm. some of the... Um, links and the narrative that kind of goes along with it mm. especially with residential care I think comes yeah. up a lot with with kids in resi that they all kind of know each other and they make connections with one another and they're constantly looking for this I guess father figure unfortunately or well, even mother figure to be fair there's lots of women um that exploit young people mm. um, I think if you look at it everyone is craving community everyone's craving I mean they're craving craving this social world of connection and belonging. That's the biggest contributor that we that we have experienced with young people searching for connection and searching for belonging and love. Mm. You know, you can understand why in the residential care space, why there are kids out there searching for that, which then turns into that network of everyone knows everyone. It's the same as a, as a big community, you know, mm. your own local community that you grew up with as a kid. Mm. If you grew up in a stable home, there would be the community of neighbours and grandparents and family and friends, but not everyone has that connection. Mm. You have to go searching for it somewhere. No one is their own little island. You know, there's not many people out there that can handle not having any communication with other people around mm. them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's that kind of ties into that network of, there are just networks of people around. You know, if you if you have been groomed by someone, which it is always ta- it always takes time. It's never obvious. It's always subtle. It's you know, the grooming is done mm. very well. They're patient. <laughs> it's not very manipulative. Pretty patient. Those pedophiles. Very patient. Yeah, mm. and they they will begin begin exploiting that young person. But when they've had enough. The best thing for them to do is groom someone else. They've learnt what to do. They start grooming the next person to kind of take over what they've had to experience so that they're not the only one. So then you've got kids perpetrating this exploitation on other kids and I think that's where you're talking about, Josh, with um, the different organisations coming together. You know, the police have have created their own force, I guess, called SOCKET, which is the Sexual Offences Against Child Investigation Team. Mm. Very long. It's a mouthful. Mouthful, yeah. But they all they do is build connections with young people um, to be able to disrupt it, yeah. disrupt this sexual exploitation, which is incredible. We're so lucky that we have, especially in the south of Melbourne, that we have them involved in, you know, child protection and, mm. and all the rest of the community because it, they're doing all of that work, you know, putting the pins in the map yeah. and finding out these people that are starting to hide kids somewhere and, you know, um, and we're lucky as an organisation that we get to sit in those panels with them and, and be able to share our information as, as well as them sharing the information with us. Yeah. Um, you know, they do that police work and we can do that therapeutic, mm. I guess, personal relationship building with young people. Um, I think especially as a woman it's really important to feel that that connection with other women and, and be, I guess, see examples of what strong women look like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably one big, that's probably another big thing for me is that strong feminine I guess empowering each other to do better and and yeah yeah absolutely yeah a hundred percent I think um I don't know if I'm off like if it's off the mark but I'll share it with you 
one of the conversations that I've been having at home um, with like with my kids is with the um, with like a little girl saying to her like when when the boys are bugging her, mm. I'll say to her like you need to be strong with your voice and you need to tell the boys that you're not happy with what is going on. And it's just mucking around and being mean or mm. pushing her or what have you, you know, um, ha- harmless stuff. And I'm, I'm like, you have to have a big, strong voice and you have to tell them, like, that you're not happy with this and this mm. is, like, this is what you want to say. And I'll say, boys, and you need to listen to what she's saying. Mm. And if we have a problem sorting this part of things out, mm. then, like, I'll step in, you know, and, I'm, and I'll say, like, raise your voice, tell them. Yeah, but like, you're building you know, strong humans. Yeah. Boys and girls, you're building them into strong humans. Mm. Mm that can speak up for themselves. Um, I don't know if you know much about Brene Brown. <gasps> Brene oh. Brown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, went, <laughs> we went down to Brene I'm Brene only Brene just like starting yeah, to yeah. really, I mean, you know, I have read bits and pieces, but I think just talking about, you know, toxic masculinity and, yes, mm-hmm. you know, it's our job as adults to be able to impart that into young people. Yeah. And, you know, we can't expect young people to not learn if we're not being great humans yeah if we're not role modeling a if behavior we're being terrible we humans yeah yeah, mm. yeah. yeah absolutely mm. renee brown oh the real mvp yeah i love it yeah she's fantastic i just she's try to get amazing. this on tour all the time i'm obsessed it's a it's a slow burn mm. but it's worth it yeah, yeah i only it's like i only heard heard about renee brown like i don't know six months ago yeah so that's okay yeah no. but she don't you're There's right she to does learn. do a lot of the the toxic masculinity mm. or even the um the how community represent different genders yeah. and the, um, I guess, rules in which we hold them to in society, you know, and then mm. the big one that I quite enjoy and something that I use um, in my personal life and my professional with my young people is that men aren't allowed to be vulnerable mm. and it's something that, um, you know, females want out of a man is for them mm. to be vulnerable but the minute they are, it's it's gross. Mm. Oh, you, you, you're weak or, mm. you know, whatever that might be, but actually being able to explore why it is that you have that reaction mm. to a male being vulnerable and how men can be vulnerable mm. and the benefits of that. And she, she actually talks about um, a dude calling her out at one of her seminars, seminars, my words today, I tell you what. Um, and I think he says something to her like, but what about men? Because she just mm. constantly in, in that talk had speak, spoken about women. Um, and she was like, fucking good point Mm. all right let's do it and that's when she started doing a lot of um work into men but Um, men also aren't our enemies exactly i think that's a huge thing i think as well working in a female oriented organization i think sometimes that can be a scary Mm. thing because it comes across like we're attacking it's men and women it's adults not treating young people the way they they deserve to be treated that's Mm. what it is it's humans yes um but we just happen to work in a female space where we really want to empower women. Mm. But it's also really important for us to not blame men for sexual exploitation because it's not just yeah, it's not just them. And you know they have their own. I think the one thing I'm learning more and more is that we're just we're all so complicated. And I think that we point the finger at people, bad people, but there's there are histories behind bad people. Absolutely. And yeah, I think it's it's so much more complex than what we can imagine yeah i think working in this field as well you can it can very easily become a i hate explains yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i think also it's a bit of human nature that to have a problem that you don't have a bad guy for mm. is really hard to sit with 
you know, if you can pinpoint you're the bad guy, you're mm. the shit dude, or, you mm. know, you've done this. Yeah. To be able to put that on somebody, there is some alleviation in having a source of the problem when there's not. Mm. Well, it also takes the focus off you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Not that women or, or like, or men or vulnerable young people are the issue. They're not the problem in this. Mm. But I think, yeah, it's good. yeah. You mentioned before, um, I think you said proactive and some disruption work. Yes. So um, you're talking about socket? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know because I say these things and I always forget that not everyone gets what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm becoming one of those. We do all the time. I've had to do the, I'm doing air quotes because people aren't looking at me and I yeah. do air quotes <laughs> and what I've said might be misconstrued, so don't worry. I think it's, it's strange that we have our own language for things when we work with young people that don't get. Well, they're starting to speak yes. the same, like, you know, I absconded instead of I ran away from home. Mm. You don't talk about that in a family setting. Did, have you, did you abscond from home today? Anyway, so disruption and proactive. So proactive, I guess, is trying to stay off the, not being on the back foot as such when it comes to catching perpetrators and finding information um, that can actually get them locked up and, you know, start to face the punishment of what they've done to a young person. Um, so police are very, like the socket team, do lots of investigations behind the scenes um, because more often than not, if there's one person that's connected to one young person, they're usually connected to a few others that like we talk about. Mm. So that's, I guess, where the proactive policing comes in. You know, if, if they can talk to all of us and work together as a team, that kind of reduces risks for other young people yeah um and what was the other one that you're asking me I was just going to ask around disruption work yeah and we all do it in our own different ways of you know disrupting mm. a negative behavior say but yeah what would disruption work look like for you guys um I think it's at the moment we've been really focusing on education it's not as in school not going to school but just educating young people mm. or young women especially around um, their own selves. Mm. So we're doing lots of Eric emotional yeah. regulation, impulse control training. We've actually collaborated that with your relationships. So okay. just dealing with like, you know, when you react this way, what does, you know, it's kind of exploring a young person's own emotions and feelings and experiences and starting to have their own narrative for what they have been through and what their, what goals they have for themselves. I think it's pulling them away from a lot of in this situation but when when we're hanging out we're driving up to the mountains we're screaming at the top of our lungs in the middle of the forest and then we're not talking about anything of what's going on for you but we're giving you that space to actually breathe and spend some time just by yourself with yourself mm. it's a huge thing that we do um, adventure cool. therapy is pretty amazing like it's yeah I mean I get paid to hang out with young people and go on drives and you know mm. we're pretty lucky yeah to do what we do but yeah I guess that's disrupting in a way mm. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's so complicated what the police do, but even putting out these things called harbouring notices Mm. to perpetrators. So when they, they do find someone that's perpetrated, whether it's even them just hanging out with young people that are under the age of 16, um, which is kind of where I guess our government's walling Mm. of consent sits. sits, Yeah. Mm. Um, they will send out notices saying, we know you're hanging out with this young person. This is your warning, one and only warning. And if you do it again, consequences will be had. Yeah. So it's kind of almost that, you know, stopping it from their end rather than punishing the young person for the, for the decisions that an adult's making. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a tricky one as well because 
like you said before, with a lot of young people, they don't see necessarily that relationship as inappropriate, mm-hmm. mm. especially if it's, oh, well, I'm just hanging out with them though. Yeah. Oh, he's only 21 or she's only 21. Or he told me he loves me. Mm. Yeah. 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 Which is a sad one because it comes back to, yeah. you know, I think something that I always say is you know, everyone just wants to be fucking loved. Yeah. That's the reality, yeah. you know, and if these young people are just looking for it yeah, in the best way they know. And people will find those vulnerable kids that are looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, they'll, yeah, they seek it out. Mm. Like a honing beacon. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> like a submarine just hunting them out, you know? Yeah. But you're right. Everyone's hunting for the for love. Yeah. And connection, yeah. 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 In regards to, I guess, you'd said before, I think it was sex workers was the word that you used before. Acknowledging that, that it's the incorrect yes. terminology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. sorry, I'm not yeah, throwing yeah, no, no, the no, no, yeah, yeah. What would, number one, what would be a better terminology for someone who's sex working? So I guess it comes back, ties back into into consent. Yes. So yeah. if you... If you can't consent to performing sexual favors, mm. you're not working. Does that make sense? You can't. It's not. It's not a. If you're an adult making your own decisions, it's a different. They're sex working. Yeah. But I guess we want to make sure that people understand that it's not a job. That yes. it's not something that should be rewarded with money, cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, love, belonging, whatever it is. Mm. It is. They are being exploited. They are being take. They have been taken advantage of. That's not to say that, you know, people have, everyone has differing opinions about sex work and that is their opinion to have. But mm. it is very different for a child yeah. to be sex working when there's no consent given and no understanding of what, what it is that's actually happening for them. Yeah. And usually they're not the ones benefiting from it. You mm. know, someone else is. Um, they might say so, they are. Yeah, but I think it's it's trying to take that or prostituting. Kids mm. aren't choosing to prostitute themselves. Yeah. That's not a choice that I think anyone would make at mm. 14, 12, mm. 10, you know. Or have the capacity to make. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there's that uh, it's like stigma or generalisation mm-hmm. that sometimes like, that young people are making the decision to do this or even if they say themselves that they are going to like uh, air quotes, like I'm going to go prostitute myself, that there's like an element that they're making this decision for themselves. Mm. But as far as I understand it, like the community services and the police, it is of their opinion that if you're under 16, that we don't really consider this as you making a decision mm. to do this yourself. We are considering this as sexual exploitation. Yes. If you are over 18 and you are making a decision to do this, then there is nothing that we can do about it. In terms of the exploitation side of things, you might be like working illegally, I suppose, but in terms of the the fact that someone's taking advantage of you, mm. that they consider like if you're under 16 and you're doing this, whether you say you're willing to do it or not, mm. that we kind of don't accept that and that, that it's exploitation. Right? Yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. And I guess, you know, even ages differ, I think, I guess, in terms of someone who is 22 but has an intellectual disability mm. that at functioning at a 14-year-old level mm. is that sex is that a choice mm. or is it is it exploitation um I think that's not I think I know that's why we work up until the age of 25 we work up to 25 because we know that once a young person turns 18 supports drop off significantly and it becomes a choice mm. which you know 
we want to be there in that choice that they they can choose to engage with us and continue that support mm. to give them a little bit more of a leg up mm. in terms of I guess a better recovery or a better mm. success in life. Um, Even to be educated to if you were mm. to find yourself in a situation as an mm. 18 year old who may be in a compromised decision uh, position mm-hmm. can at least make an educated decision mm. in mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a, similarly to a lot of the stuff that I do in AOD is around. It's not telling you to stop using drugs, mm. but it, maybe the next time you are going to take MD, you're not going to drop all 10 caps at once. Yeah. Let's mm. give you some education so that you make the best choice for you mm. in the situation that you're in. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think, didn't realise you went to 25. Yeah, 25. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it's, I think it was a very deliberate decision made, especially because we, we, um, we work with adults in a different part of our organisation. So I think it was really important to know that all aspects of and ages are supported in a young woman's life. Yeah. Um, but I think what you were saying, Josh, about the 16, I think it's um, important to reflect on how what we were like when we were... Uh, there is oh. no way that when I, when I was 15 or 16 that I could have made an informed, appropriate decision about some of the things that I did in my life. No. I mean, I made them. I don't know if they were positive yeah. decisions. Yeah, I mean, I was, mm. I was 16 and overseas in Brazil doing exchange you know, getting up to some real cheeky mischief, you know, that's, and I don't think all of that was made with sane decision-making skills. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, if you think about that as your normal everyday life, I don't think anyone could really say when they yeah. were 12 they made great decisions about everything they did. But I think so, what's important is if you made decisions around your sexual behaviour, Yeah. I guess if we could call it that, you're making those decisions and then fumbling through them with someone normally like the same age as you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's also the difference where if you're fumbling through these different sort of sexual behaviours with someone who is older than you and exploiting you at the same time, like it's far mm. different from, yeah, I don't know if I'm missing the mark on no, that. No, no, you're right. I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And I think there's something different about like, you know, I even think back to, you know, when I was early teenage years and some of the assumptions around things that you made and it would be discussions with your friends and you would figure it out together about stuff because you know, a lot of people aren't going to go to like their parents and be like, "Hey, yeah, let's ask, let's have a chat about sex." Yeah, you know, mm. it's so, so dad. When you and mum, <laughs> yeah, or my dad would have hundred percent would have been like, "Well, I'll pull up a pew." Um, <laughs> but I think you you wouldn't go and you know be like, "Hey, dad, let's talk about blowjobs." You do that with your friends, mm. yeah, right. So if you're doing that with your friends and you're all learning it the same way and, you know, sex, edu- sex education schools is historically shit ass. I don't know if it's any better now, but I yeah. bet it's not. Mm. So being able to have your peers to, to mm. learn together, but if your peers are inappropriate peers that are not the same age as you that, mm. you know, may, but might be inappropriate connections in some way, shape or form, mm. the way that you go about that normal adolescent development mm. yes. is going to be completely skewed. Mm. Um, and leave so much opportunity to be taken advantage of. And I think they their mistakes can't be made as often as when you're learning it with someone else the same age as you or similar age to you. Mm. The, the mistakes that are made, there are normally worse consequences if you're hanging out with someone that's mm. inappropriately older than you and forcing bad decisions on you. Mm. I think, it, yeah, it's very different. And you're... Mm. Um your modelling of what a safe or a respectful relationship is as well, mm. I think would be mm. would be just so skewed from what it should be. I'm amazed. Actually, I don't know why I'm amazed, but I am still amazed. I think 
I think we're, we're all we're amazed every day in this field of work but I'm amazed at how many young women don't understand or feel comfortable talking about sex yeah. talking about relationships and even understanding what relationships look like mm. you know kids throw around that word about respect you know that they respect me but if mm. you ask them to break down what that looks like it is the most can often be the most skewed view of what respect looks like and mm. how it plays out for them and their peers yeah yeah it just constantly amazes me I guess I was probably the same when I was younger I'm sure that we probably didn't really have great education around sex and you're right I was the same that I spent a lot of time talking to my girlfriends yeah about it dolly doctor dolly, oh yeah I love what a resource doctor. that was yeah that was such a yeah. good like is there anything like that that's not Facebook or Instagram which would be loaded with shit my brain talking to young people every right day. yeah but honestly yeah, like, no, seriously. if you're a regular like 15 year old girl nuclear family goes to like the local high school where are you getting that because that was like gossipy but at this at the same time like super relevant and factual information yes that was in those magazines well where yeah. are you getting it now you're getting it from porn sites yeah porn sites Which your is... friends who watch you know porn or mm. inappropriate movies and like yeah invaluable resources that were like um like organic or natural or something yeah because they came from a good place as opposed to the way we get information or young people get information now yeah and I think I liked I liked the whole dolly doctor thing because it wasn't like you were going to get a magazine that you were that was just dolly doctor that you were going to read about sex mm-hmm because there would have, I think if it was just that, there would have been a lot of young people that just wouldn't have accessed it. Whereas yeah. because it was it was masked in this, you know, teenage sort of girly magazine and it was in the middle of it, it was yeah. something that you could access without mm. people really knowing you were accessing it. So I mean, if it was that's something shame. that you were, yeah. Mm. Yeah, if it was something that you felt shameful about asking or, or guilty about, mm. you know, exploring, you mm. could do that in your own time at your own pace. Mm. Um, and I think things really, like, simple things was, like, tampons Yeah, mm. was one of the big ones that's been there. Or, like, losing your virginity mm. or, you know, getting your first period. Those conversations that young people can't necessarily have with a significant adult in their life because they didn't have the opportunity or, you know, it was a bit awkward or, mm. you know, I think we spoke about, no, it wasn't, it was... Are you doing another podcast? (laughs) No, it was a conversation that we were in. I was trying to remember who the conversation was with. Um, But, yeah, someone not having, you know, I think about me. I was really lucky. My sister is 12 years older than me, so a bit older. But she, you know, I'd go to her. It wasn't Mm. awkward. She was my sister. I could go to her and ask her anything. Whereas I think if I didn't have her, I don't know if I would have approached a parental figure to have those conversations Mm. or my brother. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's quite interesting here because I'm really open about all of that stuff with the young people here and I, I love it because it's it really takes that stigma and shame away from asking those questions. And the girls are so used to me asking things now. Have you got enough condoms? Have you, you know, do you know how to use a tampon? If you don't, yeah. I'm going to show you. Even if you do, I'm going to show you anyway. Ready? And I sit and, you know, we talk about that stuff in this space. And I don't think we have enough of that within our communities No, for young women and I think boys as well mm. to be able to... Well, if you think about it realistically, if you're a young person Mm. and your organisation didn't exist, where would you go? Mm. You know, and the common Mm. denominator there is around learning at school Mm -hmm. and doing sex education. And I don't know about you guys, but my sex education at school literally was putting a condom on a banana. Mm. And 
that was it that yeah. I recall from sex education yeah. at all. You know, I don't even is... remember consent being a part mm. of that conversation. Yeah. We t- no. I, I mean, it's always repeated on everywhere, you know, about all the things that schools are missing. You know, they're teaching you about that sign, cause, blah, 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 whatever it was in maths. I can't even remember. But I didn't learn how to do taxes. What you're or, about. Do you know what I'm talking about? I was about? like, what? No, I've just flipped. Yeah. yeah. That's all I remember of that little bit, just sign and cos. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't learn about how to do my taxes no. or I didn't learn about, no. you know, making sure that you have bond as well as your first month's rent, you know, all of yeah. that stuff. Budgeting. That you, yeah, just human things that you should know as an adult. Yeah. yeah. Why would it be the same as educating young people around our Sex bodies? And Which is so our, interesting because yeah. they're our bodies and we, mm. yeah, we still don't. Yeah, it's something, yeah, we're really passionate about doing that here and really taking away that. It becomes almost funny and, you know, this space yeah. that just, if they want to blurt out a random question and ask it, they're welcome to. Um, it's good for, you know, we're learning at the same time they are, which is mm. fun. So. Yeah. I think it's interesting yeah. that you, you bring up, you know, do you have enough condoms? And we're pretty similar in that. And I find um, even now being like to my young people, oh, do you need more of these? And they'll, they, they look at you like, I'm not going to tell you that I need condoms. Are you going to double me? Yeah. Are you offering me condoms, you weirdo? And it's for us, I think it's something that starts to happen organically because it's a part of your work. And I've, you know, I've been known to have friends get in my car and I've still got like a bag of condoms in there from, you know, just my work week and dropping off at, dropping some off at like resis or giving them to young people or whatever. And a friend will jump in the car and be like, oh, fuck, have you got this giant bag of condoms and lube in your car? Do you need some? (laughs) Are you having safe sex? Do you need some? But But it comes... For other people, it's a, it's like this weird concept for them to grasp, but that's what we would do. Mm. But it all, all encompassing of well, if they are out having sex, we would like them to be doing so safely. Mm. It's you know? a, I think it's the same thing as the AOD stuff that you guys would do, which yeah. is harm minimization of how Absolutely. do we educate them to if they're choosing to do this, how do how do they do this safely? Mm. How do we keep them alive? Mm. It's the same thing with sex. Yeah, why are we not doing the same thing? And often come together. Yes. You know, you've got a lot of young people using drugs that are exploring, whether it's with age-appropriate people or not. Yeah. Um, it, it's inevitable. They cross over. Yeah. You know, so it's important to be having those conversations. Mm. And we're really lucky in the space that we're in. Our office is like a big, 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 I guess, house. Yeah. And our bathroom's full of all of that stuff that the girls can just help themselves to mm. and not feel like they're stealing it or, you know, that they... Or that they need to steal it. Yeah. It's sitting there for them to help themselves to and... I guess if they want to keep it a secret, it, that's fine. We've got it all here. We, we just want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to support mm. young women. Mm. Yeah. Um, one of the topic, one thing that I think people often debate and then have to try and get their head around is what is the age of consent in Victoria? Yeah. Mm. Can you tell everybody? 16. Yeah. Yeah. But people go... There's, oh, you've got to be within two yeah. years and this so and that. And... Under the age of 16, it's two years younger, two years older. Yeah. They have to be in that. It could literally be two years in a day and that's illegal. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So to put it in perspective for people, yeah. if you're born on Christmas Day yes. and you're 16, yes. you can have sex with anybody below you by two years to the day of Christmas Day yeah. or two years above you to the day of Christmas Day. Yes. But not... Any not Boxing Day. Not Boxing Day. Yeah. 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 Is that right? Or Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve down. Yeah. And Boxing, boxing day, day above. Up. Yeah. yeah. So yes. two years to the day. Two years to the day. Of 16. Yeah. Of, of 16. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I think the other thing with that is as well is 
the, the two-year thing and age of consent, I think something people get tripped up on all the time, and even I do. Yeah. You know, there's been times I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll call someone and mm. figure it out, yeah. But I think another part of that is that, oh, I'm 16, I it's okay to have sex with a 25-year-old. Yes. Because I'm 16, I can give consent. Yes. When in reality, that's not the, the, the two years. You know, I think sometimes people just think the two-year rule is for 16 and under. Yeah, and you're 16. You're not 16 and 12 months, which makes you 17. You're 16. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's that's a trip up as well. But yeah. I've already turned 16. Yes. I'm more mature now, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm an adult. And to be clear, if you're 17, yes. you can have sex with anybody older than you. Yes. As, as, as high as you like. Sure. Technically. Yes. Technically. Yeah. By the law. By the law, yeah. yes. Ethically, yeah. there's another issue yes. there, but tech, like, by the law. Because I know that that's even happened. There's been issues with, with the age of consent where there is a cons- absolutely consenting relationship. Yeah. You know, someone might be just shy of that two-year gap and someone's 14 and someone's 16 and their birth dates don't match up. And in a, in a, in a really long boated raw scenario, yeah. it could be illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then there's these two young people are completely regular folk, you know, not, yeah. no one's exploiting anybody else, but technically... Mm. they're breaking the law. Right? It's tough, isn't it, though? Yeah. There's got to be a line, unfortunately. Mm. And I think with a huge population, mm. the line's never grey. More often than not, it's not grey. Yeah, yeah. It's always black and white. And I would assume in the scenario that I'm throwing out there of, like, two regular teenagers yeah. that are having a relationship, that there's a supportive network of family and friends around there that are making sure that everyone's happy, and, yes. you know, yeah. playing by the rules. I think it's... Definitely in the scenario we're talking about where there's a, a power imbalance. Yes. Like you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one we haven't touched on, which I think is in the context of consent still, is around social media. Mm-hmm. And something big that um, I see, I'm not too sure about everyone else, but something big that I see is the exchange of nudes mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Um, and I think there was, a, there was a while back there was a piece that came out in regards to consent um, there was a massive piece of work that came out around obviously being aware of who you're sending your nudes to and, and hypothetically if you were a 15-year-old girl and sent some naked pictures to a guy who was 19 mm. and then he's dispersed them, mm. the ramifications for doing that because technically it's... Well, well, back in the day it wasn't illegal. It was... Right. Because okay. there was no... There was no real consequence for it, but it's actually become illegal. It's considered distribution of child pornography. Yeah, okay. um, Which is amazing for young people. I think that the hard thing with with social media is that we are are teaching a a younger generation who know more about social media than we do. Yeah. And we're trying to protect them from something that, that they actually know how to kind of navigate around and hack into better than we do. So I think the one thing for us is that um, police get involved a lot of the times with this stuff with young people um, around distribution of nudes and videos. Videos is a huge thing that we have issues with of young people um, drinking, doing drugs. Eventually so- something will happen, they'll be at a party, you know, there's a rape or a sexual assault that's been filmed and it goes around. The- or they've consented, with my air quotes, air quotes <laughs> to having sex and then that kid has just, you know, someone has just distributed it around the school and then it blows up. You yeah. know, I think it's there's there are consequences on the policing front for that. Yeah. But I think for us it's around 
it's that being curious. I think it's really important with young people, mm. especially around things that they know more about than we do. Yes. Um, and teaching them to be like their own power of them, the power of their own self. Mm. How do we make them? Well, not make them because it's never made. It's always their choice. But how do we yeah. encourage them to make mm. better decisions mm. around this stuff? Why are they doing it? What is it that they're wanting to get out of sending that nude? Is it because everyone else at school is doing the same thing? Are you seeing it on, you know, are all those popular Instagrammers doing the same thing? Yeah. What is it about what you're doing? I think that's probably the big thing for us is around education. Mm. We never want to shame a young person into, I guess, yeah, feeling horrible about the decisions that have been made, especially if they weren't, if they were out of their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make, does that? Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you said, you know, it never was illegal. And I went, <gasps> yeah, because like, I was really confused yeah. about that. But like, obviously it wasn't because, mm. you know, I think about when my dad was growing up, he wasn't sending nudes because he didn't even have a mobile phone, yeah. you know, in his teenage years. Mm. And, and you're right. We're sort of working backwards here to support and educate young people on things like social media. Like I remember mm. being a teenager and being like, oh, you know, LimeWire days, you could illegally download music and whatever. And mm. you were all over that. If you asked me right now to download something, mm. I'd be like, Here's my Netflix password. I've got no fucking idea post that. Exactly. I'm the same. I used to hack into everything and download yeah. it now. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess for, for us, you know, we're fi- we find out about websites that kids are on and then by the time we've found out about it, they're already on to the next one yeah. and we're still sitting here kind of doing this. <laughs> on the old Have you way. heard about this cool website that kids, are, you know, um, things like House Party where anyone can join the app and yeah. jump online. How do you know uh-huh. who's on it? But yeah, it right. looks like this fun thing, you know. There was a yeah. there was a Tinder for kids at one point that really? was supposed to be for making friends, but it was like okay, a pedophile's all, joy of Tinder. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Which is so, interesting that you say. Cause I'm shocked by that. But then I remember when you know, like MSN and chat rooms was a mm. thing, and me and my girlfriends used to hack into chat rooms and, and yeah, talk yeah. to. Mm. But also, kids don't interact the same way that we did. Yeah. You know, they don't always spend time at the playground, like you said, Josh. And there's there's research now for and against what social media is doing to young people, but there's actually a lot of research that kids are adaptable and this is going to be, this is not going to be a disadvantage for young people. They're just learning a different way of being social. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which I was quite shocked about because I was a bit of that old school, you know, they're not going to understand how to, you know, talk to each other, but they are just doing it in a different way. Yeah. And maybe they're a bit better at communicating than we are when it comes to that kind of social media yeah maybe who knows we're not going to know I guess until someone does research about it who knows yeah, yeah. but it's it, fa- would it be is fascinating an interesting thing to research yeah. around the mm. communication capabilities of young people who yeah. grew up in a generation of social media mm. yeah and I guess going back to that question about sending nudes and you know using social media I think we focus so much on the how do we stop it yeah. Rather than how do we actually help them make better choices? Yeah. I think that's mm. a big thing. Well, I think how do we stop it's very reactive. Yes. How do we work with it is proactive. Yeah. Because the reality is no one is going to get rid of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Mm. They're, they're here to stay. That's yeah. the reality. Yeah. And, and young people are going to continue to use them and access mm. these sites. So how do we be proactive? Mm in interweaving that in the way that, that we work now. And it's hard because it's not necessarily something like we've said that we, we know about or that mm. we're aware of. But being able to be, you know, collaborative with the young people, they're yeah. going to teach you the best 
shit anyway. Yeah. About mm. that sort and of stuff. I guess also remembering that when they turn 18, if we haven't given them the skills mm. to live, I mean, 18, they're still kids, but in my eyes, <laughs> they're yeah. still young, you know, yeah. but how do we, how do we give them better futures if we can't even, if we're not teaching them things as they're younger, yeah. giving them our older people's insight to things? Mm. It's interesting that you said house party. So was that, I know what house party is because I've mm. used it, but was, so people can just get into your. That's just like a house party, but online. Right. No, the concept so is if, like someone if you can lock walk the in the door. door yeah, if you lock the door, other people can't come in. If you don't. Anyone can just walk yeah, in. But I'm also old and I don't use it. So, wow. you know, I found out a lot about, about these things, whether it's with the young people here or with my niece. Yeah. Who's younger. So. You know, well, yeah. but I, I, you know, we could be talking about it today and next week. It's not a cool thing to be on to do it something different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One that I hear a lot of, um, and and that's a bit of a hot topic amongst professionals is the Scout app. Yeah, I don't really understand what Scouts used for outside of what my young people use it for, which I'm sure mm. wasn't its initial purpose. Yeah, I've never heard of it. So you're F- Scout. Yeah, your young people use it to source drugs. I'm assuming. Yes. To source substances. Yes. It's okay. kind of almost become like the gum tree of social media. Oh. Okay. Not really, but like, you know, in terms of like being able to source. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Source things and being able to make connections with people and exchanging things for things. Yeah. Yes. You know? right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what Scout originally was as an app? Oh, I don't even remember now. Right. Yeah. No, I know I don't. I'm yeah. asking. Yeah. I don't remember. I just thought of that then. Yeah, right. I literally it's been around for a long mind. time. That's yeah. I just think of it as an app that our young people use because mm. I hear it thrown around so much. What are some of the other sort of, when you say like social media things or apps, or is it more social media that you find a bigger issue with or is it the, the communication sort of apps like House Party and Scout? And... Um, I, I mean, it's probably, it probably is more the apps. Like I think yeah. social media in itself is, great I mean you can connect with people from all around the world and mm. I think it, young people can become even more educated about what's happening in their communities yeah okay um but I think it's around how, how they're used yes mm. yeah absolutely I mean Instagram's not even supposed to be for kids under the age of what is it 13 and there's 10 year olds with Instagram and you know people it's have just... their locations on on Snapchat not realizing that mm. it literally shows you down to the centimeter of where you're standing yeah mm. I remember yeah. when I first realised that I didn't know that was an upgrade mm. and it wasn't until a friend of mine had messaged me and said, like, what are you doing here? And I was yeah. like, got paranoid. I'm like, how mm. the fuck do you know where I am? And yeah. then they told me and I mm. was looking at it and I wasn't even driving. I was just sitting in my car in the car park of, like, a shopping centre where I was and it, it, my Snapchat showed me sitting in a car mm. and I was like, mm. I'm not even fucking driving. How does it know that I'm in a car? And it does. It follows you and pinpoints you exactly mm. I had a young person in my car and um, she was explaining to me that the day before someone had taken a photo out the front of her house and said, is this your house? Whoa. Yeah, wow. Absolutely, they freaked her out. Oh, because yeah. she would have had her location yeah. on some stage. Yeah, and, they could and have, a lot of them yeah. do leave them on because they're happy for people to know where they are, but mm-hmm. also it's so dangerous. Well, you know, so it's a default setting as well. So yeah, when, you don't get told you, that it changed. Yeah. yeah, so we do a lot of... You know, we're kind of learning as they learn and educating the next young person that we sit with and talk to. And um, I think it's also talking to them about 
what to do when this happens. Yeah. What do you do when this happens? Yeah. Do you feel brave enough to call the police? Do you feel brave enough to go online and report the the image that's gone viral? How do you, what do you do? Yeah. Do you, you know, it's not, it's not enough for us to know what to do, but it's important to get them to figure out what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. So we do spend a fair bit of time, especially if they're experiencing in the moment, okay, this has gone, or you're, you're receiving these weird pictures. What do you do with it? Mm. Where does it go from there? Do you report it? Do you, you know, whatever you do, don't as a worker take photos of the image to show police because then you are holding mm. on to child pornography. Which is an interesting point that you make because I think if I was in that situation, I would obviously think that. But as soon as you said that, I went, oh, yeah. Because yeah. Mm. the amount of times things have actually happened with my young people and they've sent me pictures of that. Yeah. It is something to be very, very aware of, of mm. what you're receiving as well. Yeah. And also I'm not police. I'm yeah. not child protection. So if you're unsure, call the police or call child protection yeah. And ask them, drop into a police station and ask them if they don't know, know you know. If they don't know the answer, maybe they should, you, sure you should, should ask to speak to their senior. Yeah. Sergeant or something, yeah. Mm. And the <laughs> biggest thing I'm hearing about um, as, as you guys are talking um, is that empowerment of young people and young women, especially in mm. this conversation. And I, I kind of, I'm visual in my thinking and I kind of picture you putting out different cards in front of a young person and they're their options. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the scenario and it's like you've got, like, which card do you want to pick up? You can pick up whichever one you want to. And it's provo- you know, sort of laying the path in front of them and letting them mm. choose which, which ones to step on, you know, is another sort of visual in my head. Mm. Um, and I think you're so right about that, a bit like kind of supporting that young person to be able to put those cards out in front of them for mm. the rest of their life. Yeah. And because and, you're right, we only sort of sit with young people and your service is great that it does go to 25 and if they're choosing to still access through that age period. But so often with like the statutory roles and things that a lot of us are involved in, I have conversations with people in the team that I work with and it's like, all right, think about what's going on for them at 19, 20. Mm. What can we do now to put all of these different, whatever the conversation is, whether it's access to family um, you know, substance use, exploitation, whatever it is, what can we do now to support and and give them the best run that they can start to do these sorts of things and have the best, everything set up in the best way for them yeah, when true. they are 19 and 20 years old mm. while they're supported by yeah. us? Mm. Um, yeah, it just, it's just making me think about some of that sort of stuff as you're saying it. Um, and I think we're naturally, as as social workers and youth workers, I think we can naturally be rescuers without even meaning to, mm. but sometimes we just need to sit in it with them. Yeah. Sit in the shit. Yeah, and I say that to a lot of my young people. All right, we're not doing this? Cool, I'm going to sit in this shit with you until you feel like you want to hop out. Mm. But I'm yeah. going to sit in this with you, not going anywhere, Yeah. but let's just hang. Mm. I'll take you for a drive. Let's just give you your space to sit in it, mm. and then we can start talking about what it is you're sitting in. Which is actually an amazing piece of advice. I remember the first time my manager said to me, yeah, Nat, well, you're just going to have to sit in the shit. Yeah. And I was like, excuse you? And she was like, you know, you're just going to have to keep fucking ticking away at it, yeah. you know, and it, it'll be thankless and it will take time, but sometimes that's your job as the worker is to sit in the shit with your young person. And I was like, that is so true. And I think about that often when I, you know, talk to other staff members, whether it's, you know, supporting with AOD or, or exploring you know, just other different services and, and explaining to people sitting in the shit, especially with something like, you know, vulnerable young people, there's often complex needs that come along 
with them as people, whether that is substance misuse, mental health, sexual exploitation, you know, their associations, that whatever that might be, they're very networked young people, but sitting in the shit with them because majority of the time the things or the issues are not quick fixes. You can't come in today and I can't give you a magic pill to fix what's going on for you and, and a lot of the time you just do have to sit in the shit and mm. being able to explain to people or having an understanding of being able to say, yep, yeah, we're just going to sit in the shit and what that might mean and supporting staff to sit in the shit because it is really hard mm. to be in a situation where you want to do more but can't do more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And by sitting in it is actually the better thing to do for the young person. Yeah. Because it's I for me it's like the little the thing with like with my son trying to do like a game or a drawing or and you just want to like do it for him. Yeah. But I like you know he's I think anyone with like little kids or parents or like um, nephews what have you mm. will have that like no 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 I just need to restrain myself mm, yeah. from taking the pen or pointing at the right picture and let him get it wrong a few times and eventually he'll get it and that's the but it's so frustrating and mm. I think as a worker you want to be like that fixer yeah um but sitting in it and having them sometimes maybe making some mistakes and coming back and going back to the drawing board and having that discussion mm. is actually the thing that's going to benefit them yeah yeah I find a big one that that happens to me is learners tests ah. is young people doing their learners test if they're if sitting on a, if they've left education early sitting on a computer and answering those questions is quite a tumultuous process for them and I have like a million memories of young people being like you've got your fucking license can't you just do the test for me and the irony in that is that I failed my learners so I always say I failed my fucking learners you don't want me to do the test for you but also I don't need to do the test because I have my license mm. now if I do it for you you're not going to learn anything mm. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember asking a care team once, they were arguing about something, something ridiculous, as sometimes we do as a care team. And <laughs> I remember asking, if you were their mum or their dad, would you be reacting in this same way? Because mm. instead of reacting in this policing punishment, how about you just ask them what's going on? And mm. I think sometimes we get so focused on the, you know, what we have to do as workers because, you know, our child safe policy says this. Mm. Yes, all of that stuff is appropriate. We need to follow those those guidelines for sure. But what else are we doing? Are we sitting in it with them or are we pointing fingers and just punishing them mm. rather than asking them why? Mm. So, and also just yeah. focusing, focusing on that issue and not just that they're a human at yeah. the end of the day too. And also they've had so many, they've faced so much more than probably what most of us have in their short lives. Yeah. They're, they're stronger than what we could ever imagine. Mm. And, you know, they don't necessarily need us, but it's nice that we're we're there for them. Mm. Yeah. I love the um, resilience mm. space. I remember um, I've done it. I did a training once and the, the facilitator said, I want you to all sit there and think of a really resilient legend in your life. Mm. And so we all thought of somebody. And they said, she was like, all right, yell qualities of that person out to me. And, you know, so people were like, reliable, brave, strong, and said all of these, you know, sort of positive things. And then at the end of it, she said, do you think your young people are resilient? And everyone was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> she was like, well, you didn't mention anything about, um, like, the things that they said. It was like, you know, hard work. Do you think your young people are hardworking? And a lot mm. of people were like, oh, they don't really work. But do you think they're hardworking in non-traditional ways, though? Mm. And she brought it back to just because... Um, someone's resilient doesn't mean they have all of the positive connotations that go along with it. They mm. might be resilient mm. because of what they've faced and you know, might not look at them initially and think of them and go, that's the most resilient person I know, mm. but they are. Mm. And, and it, 
just depends the way in which you look at that. Yeah. Or that you frame the word resilience, I guess, mm. because it's it's a very funny one. I think if someone said to me, can you explain resilience, I'd really struggle to mm. define it. And I think sometimes yeah. there can be a difference between resilience, oh, they're so resilient, they've been through so much, or resilient, they are strong and powerful yes. and incredible and brave. There's, there's two different mm. reactions to that word. Well, because if you said this is a very vulnerable young person, mm. Mm. it doesn't imply they're resilient. No. And where's the strength-based in that? I mean, you know, I don't know if YSS do the same thing, but we've definitely worked from a strength-based yeah. framework. Yeah. And vulnerable young people, everyone's vulnerable. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Um, I was going to ask, if you, like, thinking of just a standard, swear the words today, standardised sort of, like, I think of, like, harm reduction strategies, mm. um, which wouldn't be what you would call them. But if you were thinking or if there was someone listening, for example, that was working with a young person that they were concerned about or, you know, their own kid maybe that they mm-hmm. were concerned about, what would be some, like, basic support safety strategies for a young person around sexual exploitation? Mm. I think um, make sure that you're listening to them. Mm. I think that's a really important, asking questions. Be, like, be very curious about the person that you're working with, whether it's your own child or someone else's or you're in, in this field. Mm. I think being really curious is important. I think also being vulnerable enough to admit when you're over, in over your head yeah. I think we kind of as as social workers and youth workers get really like I'm the expert in this and I know what I'm talking about. And more often than not we don't. Yeah. We're we're always learning as we go. So I think it's being vulnerable enough to actually say, I don't know what to do, I'm stuck here, I need I need another part of my community to step in and help. Yeah, absolutely. Um I don't know, I think it's that sitting in the shit with them. I think mm. it's probably the big thing. Mm. If you're concerned about a young person though, I think it's definitely speaking to whether it's a welfare coordinator at school, um, whether it's, you know, giving child protection a call. If, if you know someone that works in the sector, giving them a call for advice on what to do. Yeah. Call the police if you're concerned. There's never a dumb question when it comes to being worried for your kids. If there's, I think we talk about following our gut instinct. Oh, if there's yeah. something that's telling you that's not right, it's probably worth asking questions about it. Be mm. open with a young person about it. Hey, I'm worried about this. Mm. Am I on the right track? Am I, is this, is this something that's going on for you? Yeah. Is this something you're worried about? Yeah. Is it something they want to deal with? Because if it's not, how do you work with a young person that thinks that nothing's going right or nothing's going wrong? Yeah. Then we need to just sit in that education space and start to teach them about how to be safe in those situations. Mm. Yeah. I, um, oh, it's gone. Sorry. Well, good. One of the things that I had picked up um, about asking that really hard question mm. was something for me that came up when we did um, like suicide um, prevention training or mm-hmm. the, the assist training was being able to ask someone really bluntly, are you thinking about killing yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm. And something for me was like, that's a win-win question yeah. because either one is that they're going to say no and that's good or <laughs> just in case they need to clarify. <laughs> yeah. um, or two, <clears throat> or sorry, is that they tell you? Yeah, I actually got that wrong. They tell you yes, and you have a conversation about it, or tell, or they tell you no, and then they know that you uh, like care enough to ask that question. Mm-hmm. So, same with like the sexual exploitation, or is everything okay? Or is anything you want to talk to me about? Or I noticed this car, or I saw mm-hmm. you talking to this guy. 
is that you're going to be able to open up that conversation and mm. it's either going to be something that you don't have to worry about and they know that you care and that you're, you're, knowing, you're asking like inquisitive questions and you're demonstrating that, you know, that you're aware of what's going on with them um, or that they can have a conversation with you about something that they were maybe unsure about or you have an opportunity to provide um, some like protective strategies for them or some just general education about whatever the topic is. So mm. I think if people, you know, because a lot of the time we sort of try and angle different parts of our conversations to people that might be starting out in this, in, like in this field. And I think that's one is like if there's a challenging or a difficult conversation, they are hard, but if you have it, you're only going to get good good out of it. Mm. Um, and generally they're easier than what you anticipate anyway. Yeah. Mm. I think there's a lot of like angst that builds up around those questions and that could be even something like sexually like are you sexually active or mm. are you having safe sex for some mm. people would be a topic that they would find uncomfortable to broach yeah with someone yeah but that's also okay like it's okay to feel uncomfortable about mm. and it's okay to not know what what yeah. you're doing i think that was one thing i learned when i first started in this industry in this sector was that it seemed like everyone knew what they were doing but I realise that a lot of people are just going, mm-hmm, and underneath <laughs> the table they're Googling stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's like being an adult. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a teenager and you're like, you, you think adults have it. all their shit together. Yeah. And it's like, no, we don't. <laughs> That's, there's like a meme and it's like when you look for an adultier adult in the room, and like that's me 100%, <laughs> yeah. I'm always like looking for the adultier adult, and then you realise, fuck, I am that adult. Yeah. And yeah. realising that we're all just winging it. Yeah. yeah, we are all winging it. Yeah. 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 I get that a lot with terms, like the lingo that young people use. I'm like, Urban Dictionary, the fuck out of that. I've got no idea. There's, I should write a book, actually. I also think, though, that kids are so much more switched on than we are. They can call out They can call out bullshit way quicker oh, than we yeah. can. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's really important radar. to remember that, that. Try not to be cool because they, they know you're not. So. No. And yeah, they'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll tell you. Or they'll show you. Anyway, yeah. You know. You're a fuckhead. Like, yeah. Fucking right, loser. Sorry. Yeah. Just trying to be cool. Or shut the door in your face. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. definitely been called out on things before. Yeah. Or like I'll say words and they're like, oh, don't. Yeah. yeah. It's like the equivalent of having like a teenage kid thinking you're a really embarrassing mum. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's true though. Yeah. Mm. On that note. Do it. Yeah, we're going to surprise string a question on you because we like to okay. do that, but it's an easy one. Don't okay. panic. Yeah. Um. So if you had any piece of advice, and I'm sure I, I'm going to like preempt what yours will be now just because of our conversation <laughs> through the podcast, but if you had any like pieces of advice or words of wisdom for new and emerging people into the field, whether that's new students coming into work or people changing their career path or, um, you know, just newbies starting out in the social youth work yeah. field. What would what would your words of wisdom be? I'm not very wise. Do it, though. It's so much fun. Yeah. You know, every day is different. Yeah. Um, I think everyone brings their own experience. I think it's important to bring your own experience into it. Mm. I don't think it's worth coming into it pretending you know everything. Yeah. Kids will call it out real quick. Um. But, yeah, I think just, I think one thing that you need to really do is make sure that you're really sure of who you are. I think that makes it so much easier to work with young people when you know what your limits are, what you're, what you're willing to stand up for, what you're not. Yeah. Um, but I think being really vulnerable at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You can be vulnerable with boundaries, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. 
and always be eager to learn. Like you're always going to be learning in this in this sector. I don't care who you are. You still want the expert in it. None of us the are. The kids are, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Your kids are. Mm. It's like asking people how much a point costs. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not out buying points on the street. Yeah. So the person that's going to have the best answer for that for me is yeah. the other person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think enjoy hang the ability to be able to hang out with young people if you're mm. not enjoying that then maybe you need to find a different job yeah it's, yeah i think that's... So you get a job in retail go get a yeah. job in retail become an accountant no, go, that's work really general pants. go work at general pants <laughs> they'll teach you how to talk to people yeah and then force it on you uh, <laughs> so good oh funny thank you so much no, thank for you joining us. Awesome. this is it's been exciting to be yeah. with another human no offense josh <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to converse with another person. <laughs> See a different face. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. Please like and share the podcast, invite your friends and colleagues into the group and get in touch if there are any guest speakers you'd like to hear from or any topics you'd like covered. Take care and enjoy your week. Mm-hmm.